Sport Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. And although we're not necessarily talking about Charlotte per se, we're talking about football, which is good enough, and black college football, which is all of a sudden taking on a higher profile these days. And with me is Donald Ware, who is the president of DW Communications and the guru of black college communications when it comes to sports uh, with the podcast on Sirius XM and on radio stations across the country. Donald, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. Herb, I appreciate being on with you, man. Love coming on. It seems like I'm on at least, you know, once or twice a year and I, and I always enjoy it, so I appreciate you having me on. Hey, that's why you're always on because you're always up to speed on these things. And <laughs> The the big news around here in the last two or three months has been Deion Sanders and Jackson State. I think that anybody who hasn't been living under a rock and follows sports in the United States knows that uh, Deion Sanders, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, is the football coach at Jackson State, made a really big splash, and I guess it caught some people, if you're talking about in the mainstream, off guard because, you know, Pro Football Hall of Famers just don't do things like that necessarily. But he had an immediate impact, added a lot of credibility and high profile to Jackson State and, by extension, black colleges. And six games in, the Tigers are 3-3. Three and three. So what do you make of... A, his hire, and B, what he has done with that program. Yeah, excuse me. Well, initially, I mean, from the onset, I mean, I, I thought it, I was very surprised uh, by the hire, but pleasantly surprised. I mean, I think when you're talking about um, a, a Deion Sanders and, and, a, and, a, and a person of that magnitude, I mean, it, you know, at the, at the very least, it's going to elevate what Jackson State is doing, to your point. Uh, the SWAT first and then HBCUs sort of as a whole. And I think, I mean, we've seen that happen, right? I mean, we've seen uh, Jackson State games on ESPN. Now, we, I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, we played a celebration bowl on ABC, but that's that's a contractual obligation. But I don't, I mean, generally speaking, we don't see, and I realize it's spring and all that, we generally don't see um, games on ESPN. Now we may see a game or two on t- a game here or there on ESPN two. Some games on ESPN U, but n- n- rarely ESPN. So you, I mean that's a great thing. I think when you look at it from a Jackson State perspective, alumni are super excited um, about it. You have um, you know older players that are, that are really excited. I mean I had a chance to talk to Robert Brazil, a football Hall of Famer. He's super excited about. Um, the higher and in in turn it's going to produce revenue it's going to because it's going to produce real revenue and then marketing revenue so you're going to have people that are going to give money to Jackson State's programs um, and then they're going to get a lot of publicity in the media that they generally wouldn't get even from big entities big time newspapers ESPN constantly so I think from that perspective 
it, it's, it, I mean, it's been a home, really, it's been a home run, uh, specifically for Jackson State, uh, for the SWAT, and then for HBCUs as a whole. Now, the one thing is, it, it's, you can look at it from the higher and say, you know, that's a stroke of genius. But if you're a football purist, you're like, wait a second, this dude hasn't coached anything beyond high schools. So why is he such a fine catch other than the name that he brings to the job? Well, well yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's it, though. I think, I think because he brings that name, he, he, so obviously he, he, you're right, no previous college coaching experience. Head coaching experience is, even at the high school level, is better than none. Uh, but I think if you surround yourself with good assistance, uh, it can help. You mentioned the three and three start. I mean, I think everybody, you know, everybody at Jackson State, I mean, a lot of other people were ready to crown Jackson State champions coming in. And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't, don't you know Alabama A&M has a Quill Glasses, one of the top 25 quarterbacks in uh, in the country, look how he carved up Jackson State the other day. Don't you realize they have Southern, the, the two-time Western Division swag champs, Grambling, Kirby A&M's on the rise, Alabama State's nice, and, and by the way, Alabama, as you know, Alabama State beat Jackson State. So every, they were ready to crown Jackson State champs, but I think if you surround yourself with good coaches, which I think he has, like Gary Harrell, the fleet, as mm-hmm. you know, a former head coach at Howard. Yeah. One of his coaches has experience. I mean, I think you can, you know, he can be able to kind of set the program. And so we'll see. Like, really, the jury's still out. I mean, the jury's really still out. We'll see ultimately how things play out. They have a lot of talent that comes in. But just because you have all of those things, talent doesn't mean you're going to win or be the champion. And to this point, Jackson State's on a three-game losing trip. Yeah, and, you know, it's one thing to have X's and O's, but in reality, you really need Jimmy's and Joe's in order to win. So (laughs) that's the other side of it. And, you know, the the thing that is really intriguing to me, you know, and and you got to give Jackson State and Dion credit for making the arrangement and making it happen. You know, but to me, the thing that really should be exciting about this whole thing is the profile that it elevates all black college athletics to. Um, and not necessarily because of, you know, of, of one big name, but because now you've got other programs in the SWAC and perhaps by extension in the MEAC they're not going to just roll over now. They're going to start turning over rocks that maybe they didn't even know existed to try to find those kids and those coaches who can compete and beat a Jackson State and Deion Sanders. And you know what, Herb? I ho- now, I hope that's the case. I, I think you're on to something, but I hope that that's the case. And I say that because I think it, 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 it has for the SWAC as a, uh, as a whole, right? I mean, Jackson State, you look at the, the recruiting. I mean, we and we will talk about that. I mean, they, their recruiting class by far was the best recruiting class. They had a lot of uh, three-star kids um, and uh, a lot of transfers that came in. So they had a really uh, good class. Um, and it, it, you know, if you hear the coaches talk in the meet and the uh, swag, they'll they'll say, you know, I mean, now downhill Ely's different. Now, you know, coach at Alabama State, he, he you know, you have. To, I think you made a good point. 
there's some that are purists, and I think Donald Hill Ely is one of those that is a purist in terms of, you know, he's a Virginia Union grad. He's, all he's done is coached at HBCUs. And sometimes when you have, you know, sort of that personality, uh, like a Deion Sanders that comes in, and the, it, it, to me it's the way he sort of come into things. Um, that, that actually, I, I, you know, I and a lot of people, you know, have been rubbed the wrong way um, by some of the things that he said. Um, then that's going to present a bit of a challenge. But, you know, we'll see. Like, it hasn't, we'll see if, for instance, a North Carolina Central uh, now can go out and if there was a kid that had interest now because it's an HBCU, we'll see if Central benefits from that because a Dion is, is at Jackson State and now that profile of HBCUs are raised. Maybe. I know it's going to have an effect, and obviously it's had an effect on Jackson State. It's had, uh, I think, a bit of an effect on the SWAT, and then we'll see how it permeates through the rest of HBCUs. And to that end, you know, now we've got what looks like is the start of a, uh, if not a torrent, at least a pretty steady shower of former NFL players who are thinking about moving into the black college coaching ranks. Um, there's a report out that Eddie George has been named the uh, Tennessee State head coach. Uh, Deion Sanders has said that Ed Reed is interested in getting into the game as well. So it looks as if there's a, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a change here in terms of these high-profile guys that, a lot of these high school kids and, and maybe even college kids have seen on an actual professional level in terms of their playing days and they know who they are and they can make that connection and that will start to generate some interest in HBCUs. Do you you think that this is the start of a trend or is it just kind of a one-hit wonder, Dion is going to be it and you know the rest is uh, just passing through? It could be. I mean, because you, you mentioned Eddie George now at Tennessee State. I mean, Tyrone Wheatley. I mean, Tyrone Wheatley was the first. I mean, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. he didn't have as high a profile uh, as uh, Deion Sanders or even Tyrone. Uh, excuse me, Eddie uh, Eddie George for that matter. But he was he was sort of the first. But the, I think the difference between Tyrone Wheatley and those two is that Tyrone Wheatley had college coaching experience. I think that's. Sort of, uh, sort of the difference. We may. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Ed Reed, uh, Deion Sanders, even mentioned Ray Lewis may have an opportunity, may have some interest. So, I mean, that's okay, right? But then I ask the question: Well, what does that mean for other coaches, and specifically HBCU coaches? And when I say HBCU coaches, I mean HBCU grads that are coaches that may be out of an opportunity now to coach at these schools and maybe sometime more specific, uh, specifically at their respective alma mater. I, I say that because we've only had one HBCU graduate ever that is coached at FBS level, and that was Willie Jeffers, and that was back in the late 70s to early 80s. That's it, right? So what happens now to these things? And then you can, I mean, look, look at the FBS level. Forget about it. I mean, you know, in terms of even assistant coaches, let alone coordinators. Now, you look at uh, Jerry Mack is a Jackson State alum. He didn't graduate from Jackson State. He graduated from uh, some other school, but he went to Jackson State. Now, he's the running stats coach at Tennessee, 
But I, I and I'm not saying there aren't any other HBCU alums that are that high up in the FBS level, particularly in Power Five conferences. Maybe there are. I'm not sure if there are. But that's great. It's great profile for HBCUs. I think the money revenue generation revenue generation is will help tremendously. But again, I ask now: What about the other? coaches that lose out on an opportunity that have college coaching experience because uh, uh, some of our schools want to hire guys that have high profile but not necessarily any coaching experience, uh, college coaching experience. Yeah. So it's, it, to me, it's just, uh, it opens so many possibilities. And I think, you know, in black college football, there's all kinds of rivalries. But those rivalries are usually slathered with a good bit of respect. You know, it's like, well, we're all in the same boat, and we're going to try to beat your brains in on Saturday, but, you know, nothing but love for you. But when you throw in a Deion Sanders and the swagger that he brings to the job, you know that there are going to be some coaches who are like, I can't wait to beat the pants off this dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know Alabama ain't it. <laughs> I know. Look, I you 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 know Connell Bader, and you know oh, yeah. you. I mean, you you know you know because Maine, again, you you know there are so many guys like Maynard. To me, is a guy that should be happy. Should be getting some kind of FBS look. You know, he's a winner everywhere. He's been. He was a winner at Winston. He was a winner at ANT as a player. Uh, he was a winner in the AFL. Mm-hmm. He was a winner. Uh, uh, Fayetteville State Offensive Coordinator, three CIAA championships. He was a winner at Winston as the head coach. Maybe not so much at Hampton. I mean, I think he had a guy out of there with a winning record, and now he's got Alabama A&M where it needs to be. But to your point, you know Alabama A&M. You know Alabama State. You know Donald Hill Ely was ready. You know Broderick Fobbs was mad when Bram lost that game to Jackson State. So I think that's a good point. I mean, I think that it elevates, it, 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 it makes the coaches in the SWAC or whatever opponent want to get up even even more and make sure their teams are ready and prepared to play Jackson State and win that football. And if you look further ahead and if everything can get back to some semblance of normalcy and there's a proper fall football season, now you're talking about adding Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M that has swag mix. And then it's really going to be off the chain. I'm telling you, I'm, 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 you're right, Irvin. I'm saying this. I believe that the best team in the swag next year will be Florida A&M. Florida A&M has everybody, in essence, Coming back and lose Ryan Stanley, the quarterback, because he graduated, but that it keep, escapes my mind. But the uh, the transfer from Kansas State, you added to all the receivers they have. They had the number we had them with the number one recruiting class in 2020. Um, they on paper to me, they're going to have the most talented team in the SWAC next season. By the way, they would have won if they had been eligible. They would have been MEAC champions in 2019. And, who knows what would have happened in the uh, celebration bowl? But I mean, I think to me, KMU is going to be that team in this uh, this upcoming bowl. And so, you know, we've talked so much specifically about 
the Division One HBCUs. Uh, what do you think is the situation with Division Two? It doesn't get nearly the attention, which is saying something, because black college football doesn't get a whole lot of mainstream attention to start with. Uh, is Division Two a bridge too far as far as uh, getting that shine, or will there be some semblance of well, you know what? Maybe rising tides can lift all boats, even in Division Two. You know, that's, that's a great point. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I would say this. I would say for for at, at the D two level, yes. In other words, if you have, you know, everybody thinks they can play D one ball. Everybody can't play D one ball. Everybody's not not because there's not enough necessary, not just because there's not enough spots, but because not everybody has the talent to play D one ball. But there are legitimate, really good D two players, and so I think. What if I'm a D two school? I'm I'm using that shine, you know. I'm using Deion Sanders. I'm using, you know, uh, Eddie George. I'm using Tyrone Wheatley and saying, hey, you know, you're you know you're I mean, if you're a D two talent kid, you should come to our school. We're an HBCU. We have the history. I mean, I think I think it does elevate it from a smaller standpoint. But if I'm, you know, if I'm recruiting a kid to whatever school, you know, Johnson C. Smith, you know, Livingstone, whatever the case may be, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. Well, we'll see. I, I, we'll see if it actually helps. But I'm gonna tell you what. I, I hope that the uh, the recruiters uh, use that as uh, to their advantage, uh, because for us, like even what we do with Box to Run, we don't like. To me, HBCU football has such a history that when you start to separate it, if you will, you you take you take away from it. Yeah, there's different divisions. There's Division Two. There's FCS. There's NAIA. But in my mind, like you know, as you know, as a voter on the uh, media poll, it's we we vote all HBCUs. As a voter uh, on the All American team, we vote for all HBCU players, not just. Not separate them. We separate them when we do the coaches poll uh, because we're asking. We, we can't ask the coaches to know every single school. They have a tough enough job knowing the other twenty, right? But I, I just think that um, uh, you know, hope, hopefully, if, if I'm recruiting, I'm going out and saying, hey, uh, you know, Deion Sanders is here. You're this kind of kid. You fit our program, and we can take this thing to the, to another level. And that I think is is going to be the real question about black college football and whether that becomes a thing where it becomes an us versus them when it comes to division one division two and on and on uh and another issue that i think is uh is kind of going into the rearview mirror for now but it'll be front and center before too long again is north carolina a&t uh, leaving the MEAC, they didn't get to do a swan song, and this time next year they'll be in the Big South. Uh, what have you heard, or what is the situation with with that school and its program in terms of making that transition without getting to say goodbye <laughs> with yeah, another no. bunch of MEAC beatdowns? <laughs> <laughs> I think the AT was very disappointing. I, you know, Earl, Earl, Earl Hilton when he made the announcement that AT was going to forego um, playing in the spring, and AT only did not play in the spring because ultimately the MEAC 
decided he couldn't play in the spring. Once North Carolina Central left, or opted out, I should say, and then once Norfolk State opted out, A&T really didn't, really didn't have a choice. So, of course, I mean, I think A&T definitely wanted to, to, be that, uh, to be that team. Who knows, Herc? We may have, I mean, I think Earl Hilton and the A&T Athletics is so forward-thinking. We may have seen A&T and Jackson State. Who knows? We may have seen that before. And it's, it's unfortunate that we, that, that couldn't happen. Uh, for A&T to be able to try to defend its HBCU National Championship three times over, uh, leaving. But I think, you know, when you're talking about all the guys that are coming back, uh, in particular on the John Main Martin, the running back for A&T, like that's a pro football player right now. You know, I know Matt McCain leaves, he's putting his name into the NFL draft and all that, but I mean, I think A&T is really going to make some noise uh, uh, in the Big South. But yeah, definitely disappointing. And then on the basketball side, you better believe A&T was disappointed uh, not to be not to be able to play for that MEAC tournament championship because of COVID. I mean, they were the number one seed out of the South. So I think there's disappointment on all levels. I will you know, at all levels because some other sports are still being played, baseball, track and field, et cetera, but certainly basketball uh, and then uh, more men's basketball because the women, of course, money. Men's basketball, football, I think there's definitely, definitely was some disappointment there. Yeah, there'll, there'll be some tears shed over in Aggieland, but, you know, I guess they'll just have to make themselves okay with being in the Big South and playing Central and maybe uh, some SWAC schools in the in the meantime to uh, to get their HBCU fix. Of course, they also have Hampton in the league, too, so there you yeah, go. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When it comes to recruiting, though, uh, you have A&T as one of the top uh, football programs among black colleges when it comes to recruiting, and they've been there forever. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, recruiting, again, in terms of, the, aside from the Deion Sanders part of this and his ability to attract three stars, four stars, five star kids over to Jackson State, uh, is black college recruiting uh, moving up, or is it still outside of Jackson State, kind of like where it had been in 2020, 2019. Yeah, I think it's moving up. I mean, I think I think what Florida A and M did last year um, really uh, it, it was one of the better recruiting classes that I had seen in a while. And I'm talking about what Florida A and M was able to do last year. Uh, uh, so I think I think in 2020 was 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 good. I think 19 was was pretty good um, was pretty good as well. Uh, you know, there have been some years where we've sort of struggled to, you know, to, I mean, we, we, you know, five classes, we were good, then you'd struggle maybe to fill out, like, the last two. Um, but I don't think that was the case this year at all. I mean, to your point, we had A&T, uh, number two. I, I, you know, if Johnson State, and, and A&T had a really good recruiting class. And even if you go back, what, what was it, uh, 2019, A&T had a phenomenal like A&T should have been number one if Southern hadn't just been off, uh, and it was close actually between A&T and Southern now that year if my memory serves me correctly but I thought A&T had a really really good recruiting class I think the recruiting is coming up I'm going to be interested to see what Tennessee State does now now I know Eddie George his name is going to attract a lot of uh, attention a lot of those Tennessee players are going to stay at home particularly in Nashville I think recruiting goes up I thought Rod Reed Rod Reed uh, who, who was 11 years as the head coach and then 
he was he was uh, there. I think the previous maybe six under James Webster, but he was also the recruiting coordinator. He, we ranked him at Tennessee State like the number one recruiting class, maybe four or five times during his tenure. So I think that goes up now. You get more kids that are going to stay home uh, from Nashville uh, and Tennessee as a whole. We'll see how the recruiting comes out in Florida because that's one of the places that Rod Reed recruited very well uh, was Florida and then Georgia uh, to some degree as well. But I think we're going to see a resurgence now in recruiting. I think if you look even at what Tyrone Wheatley did, 2020, he brought in a three-star running back and a three-star quarterback from the state of Michigan. I mean, that's all you need. He played at Michigan. He bring, that's all you need to know in terms of the relationships. So I think when you, you do have some of these coaches, and it's going to allow for some of those other coaches uh, to recruit uh, as well. I mean, I think Grambling does a good job pretty much year in and year out. Southern does a good job pretty much year in and year out. Uh, Florida A&M had a really good recruiting class this past year as well. So I think, obviously, Jackson State, Tennessee State is going to elevate uh, to the top just because of the names of the coaches. But don't discount what these other coaches are going to bring to the table, what they've already brought to the table. And now, because everybody can't go to Jackson State. Everybody can't go to Tennessee State. But if you want to attend an HBCU that has a good program, A&T, Southern, Grambling, the list goes on and on. I mean, I think it, I think it elevates uh, HBCUs even more, but I think they already were on the right track. How close is an HBCU to becoming a national brand when you talk about the recruiting, the status, the stature, the swagger? Uh, is is it Jackson State or nobody else, or is it Jackson State and somebody else who's forward thinking who can get in on some of that? I'm gonna be honest with you, Herb. I think it, I think it's, it's Jackson State as long as uh, as long as Deion Sanders stays. I mean, I, I, listen, you know, and you've done you've done this a long time. I don't know if you've heard any of his um, any of his you know press conferences and uh, that type of thing. The Deion that you see and that you've seen uh, in years past is that same Deion, probably a little bit more amplified. To me, it's a means to an end. Coaches a couple of years, gets that experience at Jackson State, he's on to something else. So, you know, I think if you're Jackson State, you're, you're, you ride that wave as long as you can uh, until you can't, until Dion is gone. You know what I mean, he's not, he's not staying at Jackson State, in my opinion. Um, so I think hopefully they can, uh, meaning the Tigers, Jackson State can, can get all it can get now and get on and keep on that. Because I think they have a national profile more so now because when you're talking about recruiting rankings, no doubt about it. Generally speaking, you would never see an HBCU program that would be at the top of the FCS rankings. Jackson State was at the top of the H- uh, at the top of the FCS rankings this year. So I think you need to ride it. And also uh, when you when you look at the rankings as a whole, and I don't I think it's gonna be better next year. This is its first year, just kinda of getting in. Think what's going to happen next year? Uh, you know, particularly if they can finish with a win in their last football game. Um, so I think that um, I, I, I think ultimately, as long as Deion Sanders is at Jackson State, 
It's going to be great as long as Eddie George is at Tennessee State. It's going to be great, greater, I should say. It's not that it's going to be great. I think they, I think it's great now. It's going to be greater and more nationally known. Once those coaches aren't there, I'm not sure. To be honest, fair enough. And so we'll leave it right there. And again. Now, I appreciate you for coming on and sharing your wisdom and knowledge about black college football and everybody. Uh, Donald, like I said, is president of DW Communications, and he is the genius behind From the Press Box to Press Row, which highlights, amplifies, and dare I say, gives proper honor and perspective to black college sports. And uh, he's a friend of the podcast from way back before podcasting was even a thing. So I uh, do appreciate you, Donald. And everybody, thank you for listening to Sports Charlotte. You can catch up to us at Queen City Podcast Network, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, thecharlottepost.com. And keep in mind, this type of journalism, we love it. We enjoy it, but it ain't free. So support us by going to our website and supporting us with a donation or better yet, a subscription. And we will see you all down the road. For Donald, everybody else at the shop, I'm Herb White. Thanks for listening. Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved.